This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast, Chris Liss. Uh, my first guest, for God knows what reason, is Dalton Del Don, one of my uh, favorite uh, guys at Yahoo. Used to write for Rotowire before we fired him. Uh, what's going on, Dalton? How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be the, the first guest. It, it shows how much you uh, you like me, you know? Yeah, it just shows how low I sunk that this is the best I can do. But uh, Embarrassing. Yeah, it's terrible. But whatever. We'll make the best of it. It's not a big deal. It's just a podcast, right? Nobody cares about this. Um, Okay. Uh, Also, I was going to, you know, I wish I could do this, but I'm actually recording my own music for the intro because it's not like XM where we get it for free. Like, I'd actually have to pay to use a a good song that I like in in my intro. So there's some, like, public domain music I guess you can use. And I guess I could sift through that, you know, some cheesy, like, imitation classic rock sounds or whatever, and I felt like I didn't want to do that, so... I got out my acoustic guitar. It's, you can't hear it. I wish I, if I knew how to like sample stuff better, I would like play some of the samples and let you judge. And that would be like basically the content of this first podcast. I I would pay money to hear you play the guitar. I didn't even know you were capable of that. No, I played the guitar. I played it for a long time. I never, you know, not to any real effect. I've like jammed with people. I've never really played, you know, in a real band for more than like a minute. Um, but no, we'll, we'll see. I'll try to cut it in after this. And if you hear some like real kind of, lo-fi sounding guitar where the time is a little off the timing's a little off then you'll know that's not that's not public domain that's uh copyrighted music by me so all right um let's skip ahead to uh some actual football stuff um you know this time of year i actually have to mute people on twitter i'm not going to name any names but i just can't deal with people telling me who's good because I feel like they don't really know. They're just they're just saying stuff. They read something. Oh, well, 10 times out of 12, a running back with this many carries or in this situation or whatever the precedent they have um, does well. So you got to move this guy up or move this guy down. And I feel like all that stuff is poison. Like just I don't want to know. And these people are so certain of it. And then I find myself like doing the opposite of what they say, which is also bad because now you're like being affected by them in a different way. And you just don't want to even be interfered with. How do you deal with that? I mean, there's so much no. I mean, there's so much noise in this time of year. What do you do? I actually couldn't agree with you more, and it just poisons your brain because people come up come across as so certain. And I, and I understand you want the hot takes, and you don't want to be on the fence about things. 
I get that. You want your analysis to be people have strong beliefs, but people are just like so certain and really like no one knows. And the stats that they use, I feel like football, I mean, obviously it's developing and it's, it's cool. These newer stats, don't get me wrong, but it's like if someone had a, a, a abnormally high or low bad up in baseball, no one would be like, would point that out being like, that's for sure going to happen the next year. Like things are constantly changing, but in football, this guy is his red zone touchdown percentage was so low or something last year. It's like, okay, well that could change moving forward. I mean, there's always developing factors. So I, I totally agree with you and in speculation season. And I, I personally am trying to mute it myself. And frankly, I'm getting a lot of Andre Johnson hate, including from you. Yeah. And I just bought him in this, you know, Stopa $10,000 on the line in that auction league. And I, I, now I'm embracing it. I, I'm, I'm done arguing, and it's like maybe I'm wrong, but in a way, it's 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 almost like fine. All this hate, he's he's gonna be the guy as of now. I'm rooting hardest for next season. Yeah, but you know what the problem is? Okay, you may be right, but you might be wrong. And if you're wrong, now you're gonna start targeting him, right? Here's what you don't want to do: is you got him in that one league for whatever reason, given the situation it was an auction. You know how auctions you you wind up with strange players that you didn't necessarily intend to get. Um, but don't make the mistake of like being like, yeah, now he's my guy. And then you start drafting him in every league. You know what I mean? Because that could really be a thing that derails your whole season. No, that's totally true. That's happened to me in baseball with a couple of players that I, that I really targeted and it was the earlier drafts and I went all in on them. And then because I had them in quote unquote important leagues, and this is obviously probably my most important as far as money, maybe I'll probably do an NFFC league to have more ultimate prize, but this is, you know, a legitimate chance to win 10 grand in a 12 team league. So I might actually, typically I do the opposite. It's like, I'm already invested so much emotionally and, you know, argumentatively and, um, you know, on that team, spiritually, psychologically. spiritually yes, exactly. So I probably will, will be a coward and I'll do the opposite of what you're wanting me to do or exactly what you're wanting me to do and, and not have him on any other team. No, because I've seriously, you start to like take the other side of the argument and then it becomes a thing and then you forget that you don't even really like that guy. Or you make, it might not even be an argument. Like I remember one year I I decided I I was going to take Justin Verlander last year because he had a good playoffs and he was going to be undervalued by a little bit. And then it got to the point where I started taking him in so many places that I started paying up for like as if he didn't even have a bad year in 2015. And it was just such a disaster to have him on, like, five teams. Like, it really just ruined my whole season. And really, like, when I look back on it, I didn't even really like him that much. It was just the guy that I decided at one point that I was going to get. And then because I made that decision once, I just started duplicating it. And that's, like, something, you know, you got to avoid. And so, you know, I wouldn't just – just because you got Andre Johnson. I don't like Andre Johnson. I, You know, I, I write the receivers for the magazine every year, okay? And so, like, that's the one thing I, like, really study – and this whole yards per target thing, it's not like a special holy grail stat that proves anything, but it really kind of shows like how good a guy is in some ways. You know, it shows like how much he's getting when they throw the ball his way. And he was like at 6.4, something really low last year. And the year before, he was at 7.8, which is really average, especially for like a clear number one receiver. And the year before that, he was at like nine something, which is what he is, you know, for his like prime Hall of Fame career. So for two consecutive years, he's just precipitously dropped in this basic stat of how good are you when they call your number. And, you know, the Texans were not bad passing the ball last year outside of Andre Johnson. In fact, Ryan Fitzpatrick had a higher YPA than Peyton Manning, and DeAndre Hopkins did just fine last year. So it's like maybe he was upset or he didn't like being there or he got double teamed and Hopkins got all the single coverage maybe. But I just, you know, 
I would be fine with him as like you know a ten dollar player in that league or a seventh or eighth round pick, but he's going in like the fourth round and he's going for twenty plus. Yeah, I, I understand that. And Ryan Fitzpatrick did get eight YPA last year, which is very impressive. But he only attempted three hundred and twelve pass attempts. I mean, it's not like he played the whole year or something. And Andre Johnson, I, I know I'm not a big fan of a 34-year-old wide receiver, but we saw what Reggie Wayne did. He's 34? Wow, I thought he was like 32. He's 34? He's 34, oh, yeah. Oh, wow, he's old. Yeah, <laughs> he might be done. That, that, and that's big and old is a bad combination, too. Like, small and old, you sometimes see like a Derek Mason or a Jimmy Smith or Keenan McCardell or even Wayne was pretty bad, but he was, you know, effective. Steve Smith, when do you ever see big and old? Yeah, he hasn't scored more than five touchdowns in a season since 2010. However, before last year, here are his numbers. In 2012, 1,598 receiving yards and then 1,407. I mean, you know, you, how many receivers surpassed 3,000 receiving yards in two years? And now he's joining Andrew Luck in a situation with a bad defense. And they're just going to – I mean, they have to – obviously, T.Y. Hilton's going to take the defense over the top. I, I don't know. I don't think it's just – would be that shocking – if someone who's shown in the past being dominant receiver, 6'3", 230, I mean, maybe his skills deteriorate big time and he can still score 10 touchdowns in this situation. Yeah, that's, that strikes me as a long shot, man. I mean, you know, I, don't, I don't really hold against him not scoring double digits at his peak because I think that was the Kubiak offense where they threw the tight end and ran a lot. So I don't really blame him for that. I think he could easily have scored 12 touchdowns had he been on a different team. But um, I'm just trying to think of one example of big and old that go together. Anyone big? and I mean, Terrell Owens, I guess, maybe. Yeah. He's maybe the only one. But he's – well, I guess Andre Johnson's probably a top 15 to 20 greatest receiver ever. I mean, Terrell Owens is top five, right? But, you know, so they're not that far apart. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I understand that he had 147 targets last year and didn't even get 1,000 yards. And, 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 and as you point out, the, the efficiency with, with, with when Fitzpatrick was under center was, was pretty strong. But – um, I, I, even better than YPA is Andrew Luck. But come on, Andrew Luck. I know we've had this conversation before, but Andrew Luck is clearly a, a star. And just I just love the situation, even though I will admit that wide receivers are much tougher at times to switch situations than, say, a running back or something. But I don't know. Maybe I'm dead wrong with him, but the hate that I've seen has made me even more wanting to double up is kind of my point. Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you. Well, go ahead. Knock yourself out, especially if we're in a league together again. Please, go, go crazy, because I'm not taking him. And I, The earlier he goes, the better that is for me. Uh, here's another oh, one. Oh, so you think. Maybe. That, in my opinion, yeah. I mean, look, don't listen to me. Don't listen to anybody. I mean, in a seriously. Like, honestly, like, I, I re, you know, that's just a guy I'm not going to have, and I'm not going to get pushed off of that. But that doesn't mean I'm right. You know who I hated in baseball this year? I hated Todd Frazier. I thought that was such a... Just like a last year's one year anomaly. Yeah, I, guy. I, I had him. I had him last year, and I was I was so thought that that I that I avoided him because of that. I was afraid that there's no way he's repeating it. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm wrong even when I stick to my guns. It's not like just because you stick to your guns, you're going to be right. But more often than not, uh, it seems to work out. It's better than listening to somebody else. Here's another guy that I really hate that I've been hurt, and I even got into it with Salfino and Davis um, Davis Matek about this. Eric Decker. What do they see in Eric Decker? I mean, the dude's on the Jets. I don't even know why we're talking. I shouldn't even talk about this. I'm only talking about it because they like him. But people listening are going to be like, why? Why? It's like a straw man. Like, if I didn't know that they tweeted about this, it would be a straw man to say Eric Decker's going to be a bust. It'd be like, well, who's touting Eric Decker? I mean, who in their right mind would tout Eric Decker, right? But they were touting him. And I'm just like, I just don't even see. 
I, it's not even like something that needs to be refuted. It's like why would you why would you draft him other than like an afterthought in like the tenth round? Yeah, I got to say I'm on your side on this one. On, unfortunately, I mean. <laughs> He's probably a pretty good player, and it wasn't just a product of playing in Denver. But I mean, Brandon Marshall. He's okay. Yeah, he's fine, right? I don't think. Yeah, but he. I mean, if you look at his overall numbers last year, realize that he had 221 yards and a touchdown in the final game of the season. I mean, I know they all count the same, whatever. But I mean, if he didn't have that game. Oh, you'd be nobody, looking, oh, you'd be nobody looking at, had that. Nobody had him in their lineup. That was week 17. And if you, you even if you play week 17, you probably didn't use him because he'd been so bad. He had a terrible season. Hey, yeah, I mean, he still didn't reach 1,000 yards with 221 yards in a, in a season. I know he missed one game, but the quarterback situation obviously remains questionable. And they're adding Brandon Marshall. Now, say if, he, if you want that he's you know on the decline or whatever, but it's Brandon Marshall. I mean, I'd say it's a 50-50 chance they – are equal in targets at minimum. So I just don't see the path there at all. I mean, especially a division filled with pretty good defenses. So uh, I don't get Eric Decker at all. I, I, have, I have him, I think, around my like, wide receiver 30 or something around there. I mean, I, he, and, and these guys, uh, as you say, are, are probably ranking him much, much higher than that. Yeah, I just don't see the, the argument. Like, he's not like he's like Calvin Johnson you know, or something. It's, he's like an okay athlete. He's like, he runs a you know, a four, five, five or something. He's like six, two, two, twenty. I mean, it's not, and he's like 28 years old. I just don't understand it. I really don't. Um, let's give another guy here. I, I hate guys like this. This is guys. I just don't like Andre Ellington came up today on the radio show. I'm like, I don't have any opinion about this dude. He was a guy who was like hyped last year. I didn't really understand exactly what the deals with him. He got, he like played through an injured foot. So he wasn't really himself maybe, but he, he wasn't very good last year. I just don't deal with those dudes. There's like, I feel like I have like strong opinions about a bunch of players that I either want or don't want. And there's like this vast middle that I just don't deal with. There's too many variables. I don't really understand whether he's good or not, whether the team really is committed to him or not. And I just avoid. Not saying, you know, if it's the fifth round and he's there, I'll take him because it'll just be an ADP agnostic thing where I'll be like, all right, I guess I'll take Andre Ellington. But I have no opinion of him. Do you have an opinion of him? And are there players like that where you just – they come up and you don't even want to talk about them because you have nothing to say about them. Well, I didn't think I had a strong opinion about him, but apparently based on the rest of the rankings, I do because we went over in a conference call with Yahoo today and we're going to release some, some future articles going over a quote unquote bus. And apparently I think he's going to be one based on my ranking compared to the industry because I have him as like running back 28 or something. And I guess that's really low. Um, yeah, I don't know. David Johnson is brought in. I know he's similar back, so maybe he's just insurance. But I don't know. A guy who's 5'9", I know that obviously running backs have been successful at that height. But I just feel like more injuries are in store. And, yes, he was impressive his rookie season. But 3.3 yards per carry last year, I, 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 I just will say that he's probably going to end up on zero of my teams this year. It it's, it's, seems simple as that. I, I think Andre Ellington is being overdrafted. And I just don't like his situation all that much. Yeah. I, it's weird. He's just a guy that people talk about And uh, in last year. And here's the other thing that's weird. I, you know, last year, everybody was on Carlos Hyde. Like, that's the sleeper you got to get. <laughs> Frank Gore's done. You know, you'll see he'll take over that work. And two years ago, it was Monte Ball. No Sean Moreno's done. You know, and it's always like, was, last year was Justin Forsett was the guy that you needed to have. And nobody even mentioned his name before he got the job in like week two or three. Like, nobody even talked to the entire preseason I don't even know that I mentioned his name on the radio show or heard anybody else. And 
I just always think it's gonna. In last year, like Devonta Freeman, yeah, that's a guy. He's moving up boards. Like he's gonna get some care. Like, you know. And and now I almost feel like the running backs are so random. Like who does well? That like Devonta Freeman's like the guy to get. Like everyone loves Tevin Coleman or. I like Terrence West because nobody's talking about Terrence West. And then all these guys are available, like, super late. Like, I bet you like Terrence West. I think I got him in, like, the 16th round in my NFBC. And I just think, like, they're just as likely to do well as, like, the guys that people are talking about. Well, I've talked too much about Carlos Hyde. I like his, you know, his yards per carry after contact and his broken tackles compared to Frank Gore last year. And there's a lot of peripherals that looks like he could be pretty good. But obviously I'm a – 49ers homer so we've been there and done that but I hear you but what you're saying about Terrence West I got Isaiah Crowell for one dollar in the aforementioned Stopa 10k auction I mean one dollar I mean isn't he the presumptive starter and clearly the goal line guy so no I don't think he's the presumptive starter or the goal line guy he might be the starter and he might be the goal line guy but why why is he the presumptive one because he was clearly better than Terrence West last year I don't know if he's clearly better. He had 4.1 yards per carry last year. He only caught nine passes all year. What did Terrence West have? He couldn't be very far off. He wasn't very good, and they obviously – well, they brought in Terrence Duke West, Johnson. Yeah, Duke right. Johnson is a bigger West, threat to Terrence West, though. I mean, Terrence West had 3.9, and Crowell had 4.1. They were basically the same. You know, I, I think Crowell was getting more short yardage carries, which can skew that, and Duke Johnson was brought in to take over that receiving role. That That's just my opinion. I, I, I hear you that it's so – it's wide open though. There's no they haven't decided. And and Mike Pettin would like punish guys. Like he didn't like Terrence West's something or other one week and so then he lost all the carries and then it was Crowell and they you know, remember Ben Tate was the guy there and then they just completely they released him, but like, you know uh, you know, a month before they were touting him as their starter. So wide wide open. I and I hear you. And, and fantasy football is so different than like baseball as far as roles are concerned because and and I fall under the same trap. Like, where would you I mean, Joseph Randall has the upside to being literally a top 10 player, not top 10 running back, a top 10 player in that Dallas situation. He also could be a total bust and, and not worth using in week two or week one. I mean, it's – it's and these rookie situations in Atlanta, you mentioned Tevin Coleman and obviously Amir Abdullah in Detroit. I mean, those are good offenses. that Those guys could be massively important, and they also could be irrelevant. So it's, it's very different than the other fantasy sports in as much as – these guys could be top players or, or totally useless, and I wouldn't blame anyone for using an early pick on them just because of the, the potential. And running backs are just so scarce these days. There, there are just so few workhorses. By the way, I, re- I really hope this is recording because like, this is I'm, I just hit you know record on this thing, and I don't know if it works, actually. Um, so let's just cross our fingers because we might just be talking to nobody right now, but let's hope that's not the case. Um, yeah, uh, I agree. In, in baseball, there's like a guy has a spot in the lineup. I mean, he could lose his job, I guess. But like for the most part, you're handicapping how well is the guy going to do, right? You know that if there's no one in the top five rounds that really right. yeah, that's at risk. Job. Right. Well, no, there would be like a Billy Hamilton, like his you know one year where like he could lose the job or he could stick, stick. But whatever. Yeah, I hear you. Like most of the time, the guys are guaranteed a lineup slot and. You're just, you know, basically betting on health and productivity. But here, yeah, we're just we're just totally speculating on what the coach is going to decide. And the coach is sometimes ill-informed, right? I mean, the coach, you know, Victor Cruz, actually, the, the in 2010, I think, he had a huge preseason, made some great plays, and then was on the roster, and then got hurt in, like, week three a little bit. It wasn't a serious injury. It was, like, a four-week injury. But they put him on IR, okay? And then Knicks got hurt, predictably, later in the season. The Giants were, like, 
you know, vying for a playoff berth and had no receivers. And Cruz was already on IR. Once you put someone on IR, you can't take him off. So, and he couldn't come back healthy. And they didn't, but they didn't care because they didn't know who he was. The next year he comes back and he's one of the top three receivers in the entire league. So it's like even these, these guys who see these players every day, they don't even know. So you're kind of at the whim of a coach who's not even necessarily making a good decision. And that's going to completely determine whether you made a good call. So in some ways, you have to just – you're handic- I'm not even handicapping the coaches because I, I can't read their minds. But in some ways, it's why I just like to take a guy that's just in the mix and cheap because we just don't know. And, and you know, Forsett was the guy. Of all the backups last year, that was the guy. And I'm telling you, I don't think his name was in any articles in the preseason or in any radio show. Or in, I just never heard his name even uttered. No, I understand. If there are three guys vying for a job, might as well just take the cheapest one, pretty much. I mean, because because who knows what's what's going to happen. And, and even when you go like with looking at rookies, like Melvin Gordon, looks like he's in a great situation, and he's going to cost you a what an early third round pick. I mean, and rightfully so because he could be a monster in in, in San Diego with with no competition, and he had such great college numbers. But this guy literally has never, you know, he hasn't stepped on the field yet. So it's this. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more leap of faith when it comes to running backs, but it makes sense because they're so important in fantasy football. Yeah, it, it is the it is the strangest thing, and, and you know the whole zero running back thing. I, I'm not really. I don't like gimmicky stuff, but it actually kind of works if if you get lucky. You know, I mean, if you you're kind of like it's a weird thing because you it, it's like it works if you get a little lucky. You don't even have to be that lucky. You're basically locking down production every week from the receivers. Your QB will always be productive in a one QB league no matter what. Uh, and then you're just hoping to get something out of your running backs while you're waiting for someone to pop, right? And if you get super lucky, you win, the, you win like a huge – you win the whole league. You might win like a big grand prize. But if you just get a little lucky and you end up with backs that are like, you know, get 40 catches and, you know, 1,200 yards of scrimmage and six or seven touchdowns, that's enough. To you know, maybe you know, get you'll get in the playoffs. You'll maybe advance in the playoffs with a little luck. You can win, but it's just a weird strategy, right? Because you're just trying to like get lucky in a very particular way. If you do hit one or two of the of the best running back waiver wires or injuries or whatever, then then it could be a massive upside. But personally, I feel like that strategy is more of a higher floor um, because if you do get a, a Jamal Charles in his prime or if Peterson goes off this year or something. That is your big advantage, is if you get one of the five workhorse running backs who have, you know, 2,000-plus yards and 15-plus touchdowns, that's the team that, that's going to win the, the, the big tournament, in my opinion, because I think receivers are, are easier to get later. And so I, I, I personally think that that's a fine strategy if you want to use it, although I would never draft a quarterback in the first six rounds, no matter what strategy I'm using. But I think it's, it's a higher floor. But um, I think the, the, the most ceiling you can have is if you hit on one of these Big running backs, but I must admit, this year, man, I, I want a late first round pick, and even as a running back guy, no one stands out to me whatsoever. I'm totally agnostic. I kind of like C.J. Anderson and uh, Jeremy Hill, whom I got in the Stopa League, but ugh, yeah, running back is is definitely maybe as sketchy as I've ever seen. You know, it's weird. I did a 12 team uh, NFFC draft, and it's you know it's full PPR. You have two running backs, three receivers, and a flex, so it's almost like a four receiver league. And I had the first pick, which I didn't want because third round reversal, meaning you know how it snakes. So you get your first pick. You probably shouldn't put that on your KDS then. Number one, then you well, probably it, was, it was an accident. I just basically what happened was um, I just gotten back from Europe, and Greg was like, "Hey, you want to do this league?" And I said, "Yeah, great, I'm in." You know, and it's like, "When is it?" It's a week from tomorrow. So I said, "Fine." 
And then um, I was like, you know, all right, I got eight days. I'll figure out the deal with that league then. And then, of course, I get an email two days later showing my, that I'm picking first. And I'm like, holy shit, I forgot to set my KDS. And picking first in there is terrible because you don't just pick last in the second round. You also pick last in the third round. Um, and it's, it would have been my last choice. And, of course, I got it as my first choice. And I asked Greg to look it up. He looked it up for me, like, what choice of choice I got, you know, like where I actually, like, went. And sadly, I was fourth. So I would have got a really good pick that I wanted, right? But I was hoping he said you were 11th, so you were screwed anyway. But no, right. it was fourth. Um, so in other first, years, that'd be fine. You know, in other years, that'd be, but especially this year with that reverse third uh, round. Terrible. Okay. Terrible. But, you know, then I was like, all right, well, sucks. I, I screwed this up, but, you know, who am I going to take, right? And I was like, Antonio Brown, I don't know. It's just too vanilla. And, you know, it was like an all-star league, like Hall of Famers and all this stuff. And I was like... I don't think I'm going to win with that as my first pick. And then I'm like, well, Eddie Lacy, he's just not good enough for a number one overall when there's third-round reversal. He's not LaDainian Tomlinson in 2006 or whatever. He's not Priest Holmes. He's not – Eddie Lacy, he's okay, right? And then Especially Tom, PPR. Yeah, I mean, he'll catch 40, but it's, it's not, you know, the game changer. And Charles didn't catch as many last year. I kind of have a bad vibe about him health-wise, so I'm probably not – you know, I'm not really excited to have him. And Lacy's the guy I'd probably have ranked first in a non-PPR just because he's so solid. Um but I started looking into it in my PPR ranks, and it was definitely Le'Veon Bell. Like, it was – when I looked into it, it was, like, not even a, a consideration of anybody else. I was like, wow, I have him in PPR projected for the most with the three-game suspension, even if it's not reduced. You know, and then that's not even counting the three games I get from whoever I sub in. And this is not a 14-team league. This is a 12-team league. So I will have somebody subbing in who's viable. It's not going to be someone great. It'll be someone like Rashad Jennings or somebody, but that's not bad. So it, it was like – and, and the more I thought about it, I was like, Le'Veon Bell is so clearly the top pick. And he is – there would be not even a debate about who was number one if he weren't suspended. Do you agree with that? I totally agree with that. I actually don't have a bad feeling about Jamal Charles, but I don't, I don't blame you if you do. If, go, go with your gut. But I think he was playing hurt last year, and he's still in his prime. And in that offense, they just utilize him so much. I actually would have gone with Charles. But Bell, without question, would be the number one overall pick if it wasn't for this suspension. And I actually think they have a – pretty tough schedule the first three games too which you could look at a couple ways you know d'angelo williams maybe isn't worth using but at the same time maybe bell wouldn't go off those weeks and and the schedule eases up afterward uh, but the thing is i will mention here is that nfc is a little bit different in, in that it uses your season scoring for the playoffs so i feel like that almost hurts you in a way because otherwise just like all i got to do is make the playoffs and i'll have bell you know but this you know he might down your overall scoring a- average a little bit entering there make, make it a little bit tougher have you considered that? Yes, I consider that. And what I'm saying is, even with him projected for 13 games played, he has more PPR points than any other back. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. And then you add in the three games where you start somebody else to those points, obviously, right? Because I'm going to get something in that slot, even if it's not a first-round pick, maybe an eighth-round pick, but something. No, Ben Roethlisberger says he's the best offensive line he's ever had in his career, and all five starters are returning. Martavis Bryant is apparently going to be a, a monster. Obviously, Antonio Brown there. I mean, I project this Pittsburgh team to to score one of the you know the top two or three scoring offenses. Bell was a, a maniac last year. Um, one concern is he still says he's not 100% over his knee injury. Yeah, I don't know. I heard reports that he was in great shape. I don't know. You know, 
if he had a knee injury that he well he, right he missed the uh, playoff game right that yes was, that was yes crazy, right he missed the playoff game yeah I mean I'm assuming he's healthy maybe maybe I'm mistaken about no that. I give you I give you props for that pick I mean it, it's, I, it's definitely bold and he's he could be an absolute monster and, like and, uh, yeah. and I also took Todd Gurley in the five six turn I was like you know what <laughs> maybe I have a rough couple weeks but my team's gonna be nasty you know like when it, assuming Todd Gurley is even able to function at a high level and he may be there for week one or he may be pup list we don't really know at this point. Just how many catches do you think Bell had last year? Just curious if you know. Uh, it was just a take, lot. Just take a guess. Uh, 80. 83. Okay. okay. So missing three games, I projected him for 57. Okay. So, like, it's a PPR league, right? So, like, I gave Charles 44 and I gave Eddie Lacy 40. I gave Adrian Peterson 32. Now, I could maybe give Peterson 36 with North Turn, but whatever. It's split right. hairs. Right. Le'Veon Bell is projected for 57. The only running back I projected for more is Forte with 67. Um, so 57 and then 600 yards, which is about, you know, what he averaged per And Forte is losing Tressman and older. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I don't like Forte this year. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to have him. I just think, you know, this is the year too, you know, better to get out a year too early than a year too late. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, I, no, I, I, again, I give you, I give you credit. Le'Veon Bell would be the clear cut number one pick if not for that suspension. And um, I mean, of course it's tough to, to expect what he did last year again, because it was pretty, pretty damn awesome. But um, he's young and obviously showed up in better shape last year. Was a totally different player. And again, that offense I project to be one of the best in football. So, uh, and his suspension yes. may yet be reduced. Right, right. Although it's, in the NFL, the NFL it's like you can physically assault members of your family, right? And it's like, oh, we'll reduce that. You know, it's you know you whatever. But if you smoke weed, oh no, 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 oh no, 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 you smoked weed? Are you kidding me? You're lucky. That you got only a three-game suspension. I mean, Josh Gordon's career is over. He smoked weed in college. Oh my God! And then he, you know, tested like .0 whatever of THC, like the most minimal amount. And then what? He had a couple drinks on an he airplane. He had a cocktail on a flight. Yeah, and now it's over for him. I mean, seriously, like you know, one, one thing Sophie was writing about, I thought was true, is like, you know, Brady, like the Patriots are fighting this. Brady's gonna sue, and they were like cheating in a championship game. This is like big time stuff. But they're like fighting tooth and nail about this, right? The Browns put up no fight. I mean, did the Browns ever say, like, this is an abomination that our players being treated? Like, they never backed him up at all. That's weird, isn't it? That's, like, their best player. I mean, forget about, like, right and wrong, morality, you know, proportional punishment, you know, the fact that everybody smokes weed in the country, two states is totally legal, whatever. Right? Forget about all the, like, moral justice issues. What about just self-interest? Like, hey, this is our best player, man. This dude is, like, really good, and he's on our team, and our fans come out to see him, and we're not cool with him, like, being suspended for this long. Like, we're not going to fight and put up a stink and make his – did you hear a peep out of the Browns? They seemed to think – like, they were, like, relieved, like, good riddance to this horrible person. It's really weird. They used a supplemental draft pick on him. He's There's seemingly been no problems in the locker room. He put up whatever that 11-game stretch was arguably one of the best in the history of wide receivers, and uh, you're right. I haven't heard much defense – at all, and it's just, it's embarrassing, frankly. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, they're depriving not only their own team and himself, but us as fans. I mean, that dude was so sick. Like, he was definitely one of the best players in the NFL. I mean, he was, I mean, it was ridiculous. Look at the quarterbacks that were throwing to him, and he was breaking off 80 yard touchdowns week after week. Uh, no, it, it's disgusting and it's, it's embarrassing the NFL, but I mean, what are you going to do? But it's just, a, it's just an indictment of the franchise that they wouldn't fight to keep their best player. Like, just out of self-interest, like the Giants, right? Like, the, not, the, not the football Giants, but the baseball Giants, they weren't, like, crapping on bonds and he was, like, hitting all his home runs, right? They were, like, 
don't you just have self-interest to be like, hey, this is our best player, man. Like, we're not good with this. Like, let's get this. It's like he was like out on his own, it seemed like. Yeah, well, the Giants also didn't. I mean, Bonds was still posting a, a, a above 1,000 OPS, and he was basically blackballed. So uh, I, I love my Giants, but they, they let maybe, him go as maybe. well, too. So Maybe, maybe at that point. Um, anyway, i got to get a Josh Gordon thing. And I, I don't know. I, I'm not promising that I will talk about him every single podcast, but he'll, it'll probably come up every other podcast at a minimum. Just just getting people forewarning you. It's not Nothing's changed just because – He's definitely not playing this year. You know? Can I say one? Can I say one thing? My favorite, my favorite over under bet this year is uh, the Browns under uh, six and a half by far. Look at that division they're in. They're not going to go seven and nine. I, I will, I will go on record right now and say I will bet. I will bet a significant amount of money on the Browns under six and a half. Under six and a half. Yeah, that's probably good. I think their D isn't bad though, right? Last year their D was all right. Yes, absolutely. And I, but I looked at their schedule and. I, I don't like to over, uh, you know, go like crazy this. about bad teams, but I also like going unders because so many things can happen. Like, you, we'd have bet an over. What if Andrew Luck gets hurt, you know? Right. So I like to go under, but I looked at the schedule, and I went and I predicted every single record in my head, and then I looked at the, the over-unders afterward, and that was the one that stuck out like a, a total sore thumb to me. So I'll just go on record now and say the Browns under 6.5 is where I would go. Right, because their QBs are like McCown and Manziel. Like, it's, there's no, there's nothing good there. Like, it's not like, oh well, the backup will take over soon and he'll be better, right? I mean, Manziel, no Jordan Cameron, no, no Josh Gordon. I mean, it's exactly. There's no, there's no guy waiting in the wings to be quarterback that I, that I, that I could foresee at least. I mean, McCown was awful last year, so, well, I mean, that, that, I mean, look at that division. I mean, they're, they're playing. Well, the Steelers aren't good. I mean, the Steelers might be good, but their D sucked last year, and like, you know, they will not win a game. In the division, you don't think so? I don't know. I, I mean, none of those teams. I mean, I, I think the Ravens. I don't know. They're all kind of equal. There's three like nine and seven ish teams in my mind, and then there's I don't know. The Ravens were up 14 points twice in New yeah, England. They were pretty the good. postseason, man. Yeah. They they really they lost uh, Nada though. Yeah, 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 and Torrey Smith. But they, no, I think I think the Ravens are gonna be good. Yeah, I think they will too. Just the coach is good, and he'll get them. He'll get the defense up to speed, and the offense will do enough like it always does. Um, all right, man, we can wrap this up. I think this is, uh, you know, a mediocre start for the podcast, but good enough. My standards are low, so I think it'll be okay. All right, fair enough. Don't go on. Appreciate your coming on, and uh, we will uh, we'll revisit with this, like, you know, later in the season, see if some of these things you've said are actually true. <laughs>